All right. So I wanted to have a little public service announcement and kind of explain what the heck's been going on and apologize for the absence from the airwaves with Talking Cloud Podcast. So uh, without going through all of the gory details, suffice to say that we uh, switched to a new format at the beginning of the year and it maybe I, we were a bit overzealous, uh, both I and my then co-host. Unfortunately, the way things have went, you know, with careers and life, uh, we've kind of fallen off the edge. And subsequently, I've learned that my co-host is not able to continue with me. So... This is to let everyone know I'm going to return to the original format that I had for a couple of years, which was audio only. I may dabble in video, uh, but I'm going to really focus on doing what I had done before, and that was having guests to talk about cloud and cloud computing and I'm going to go back to that original one-on-one, mono-we-mono format. So uh, that explains what's been going on. My apologies for being absent for the last several, I don't know, weeks, even months, maybe. I've been very busy with CISO Secrets, and so I hope you listen to CISO Secrets And I'm going to do my very best to get back on a regular cadence with Talking Cloud. So for anybody that wants to be a guest on Talking Cloud, to talk about cloud, cloud computing, anything and everything and all things cloud, please contact me. We'd love to have you on the program. And thank you so much for your understanding. And now... We're going to get on with the program. In fact, I have three episodes that we recorded and didn't get published. So you're going to hear those three, and then I'm going to be on the hunt to find more guests for upcoming programs. So here's the first, and we'll look forward to having you back on the next episode of Talking Cloud. Mr. DeYoung. Hey, hey. Grant, how's it going? How, it's going great, Steve. It's great to see you, man. Good how to see you. you. I'm doing well. How are you? Good, good, good. Hey, meet Patrick Pusher. Meet? Uh, We've met before. We've met before. Okay, we have. Well, Steve then, before, yeah. then, I, I'm doing well, thank you. Then good. re-meet, or hey, you remember Patrick? That's right. There you go. That's better. Yeah, you remember... So, hey, thanks, man. I appreciate you coming on the program. It's uh, We were just talking about, I mean, how we could take this conversation in so many different places. I guess I, I, I should do uh, our audience and you justice for a second, because I've known Steve for now going on 25, six years. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. Um, 
same number of years I've been alive. That's yeah. (laughs) Steve, in fact, you know, he's got even um, a more amazing background working with some of the original people that created the internet, Kevin Dunlap, right. And, and some other folks that, uh, I guess he used to work with Paul Maka Petrus and other names, I'm sure. Uh, I remember, though, we had Cricket Lou that uh, used to do our training. Remember, he and Matt uh, yes. at, at, at MetaInfo, which was a long, long time ago. And for those of you that ever attend my presentations and I ask this trivia question, here's the answer. MetaInfo was the first company on the planet to port bind to Windows. If you don't know what bind is, uh, you shouldn't be on this program. No. <laughs> it's Come funny on because so many, that's not true at all. Most people don't know what bind is, but you it's go true. DNS and everybody knows what it is, right? It, it, uh, it, was, it was the first commercially available port of ISC bind for DNS uh, to Windows, yes. It was huge, man. And not only that, but MetaInfo only sold via the internet with a credit card, no salespeople, phone support only. And this was in 1995, six, seven. Six, seven, yeah. Yep. Remarkable. Visionary. And, you know, Scott McFarlane, uh, uh, props to Mr. McFarlane, man, because the guy's just, you know, he's done it over and over, him and Jared and uh, crew. But anyway, so Steve went into a brief coma uh, when I went and asked him to leave Checkpoint and come back and help restart MetaInfo as a separate company in 2002, January. 2002, correct. That was when the papers got finalized, although we worked pretty much all of uh, 2001 without any contract. uh, But uh, I remember that was the D-Day. And, you know, I owe so much more than I can ever express uh, and, and than anybody will ever understand uh, uh, to Steve and what he did for me and for the company because um, wouldn't be here today uh, if I didn't have him and Doogie and Ernie and and uh, you know just you know Phil Pot and yeah um, it was and uh, Chris it has very long you know, legs. It's it's amazing. So I'm honored to have Steve on the program. Now, Indeed. today, what's really cool is we were so fortunate. We resold the company to uh, uh, then a company called Newstar. Uh, they had recently acquired Ultra DNS, which was one of the very early, early managed uh, external DNS providers. And what do you know? Steve now is still... With the company, they've recently spun out uh, Vercara, which is uh, essentially DNS security. And I'll let Steve explain any of the additional details there. But 
distinguished engineer. The guy is uber deep in the cave. Nothing will get by him if it's uh, uh, if it's TCP/IP or internet related. I can guarantee you that. I consider him a dear friend, and we are really honored to have you, Steve, on the program. So it's great to see you, brother. It's good to see you too. I don't uh, typically use my camera, but uh, you know it's grand. So take the hit. Hey, um, thanks, buddy. <laughs> it's it's been a while. Um, so yeah, uh, Ultra DNS um, is a hosted DNS provider. Um, we run a global cloud of, of name servers um, across the internet, uh, across the world. Um, Ultra DNS was one of the first commercial uh, DNS providers, uh, if, if not the first commercial DNS provider um, to use Anycast. Um, so Anycast and BGP, uh, it's mm. been around for a long time kind of ebbs and flows uh, as, as things move along, but it is uh, still a, a very integral part, Ultra DNS, uh, of the foundation of the internet services. In addition, we have uh, cloud-based DDoS mitigation services mm. uh, uh, up and down the uh, stack for those who, uh, who need those services. Um, but we also provide DNS across the entire ecosystem from uh, TLDs and registries to registrars and, and even um, recursive clients. So it's a, it's a very um, robust uh, DNS architecture. It's a very robust cloud and, and strong network that we've built over the last few years. And uh, it's an exciting time to be around. So tell me a little bit about... Um... I, Newstar was kind of number portability. They kind of were growing in all these interesting different areas. Um, you know, common short codes, right? Mm -hmm. I remember those. Um, what was the impetus or motivation mm -hmm. to spin out to Vicara and, and really have a standalone uh, organization um, there? So Newstar traditionally um, was sort of split brain. They had a very large uh, data and data analytics group um, set of services that was very geared towards uh, answering questions about internet usage. Um, so you think Equifax, you think uh, other things where you can look up patterns of use or, or other things, which is almost if you think about it, orthogonal to network services. Um, several years ago, they spun that off, sold that business unit uh, to TransUnion. Hmm. Um, and the remaining portion, which was security services, uh, which was the DDoS, uh, cloud-based DDoS, the WAF, uh, the web performance monitoring, and the DNS, uh, formed its own company, uh, Security Services. Got it. Early this year, we changed from security services to car. Today. Got it. Newstar was traditionally very split-brained in terms of how it had um, products that didn't seem to relate to each other, and, and mm -hmm. this this made it uh, uh, more coherent from a product yeah. standpoint. More focused, right? More exactly. focused. Which, you know, and, and come on, let's face it, man, uh, it's only taken 25 years or 20 years, but safety HCP is kind of, uh, mm -hmm. I bet it, it's, it'd be a big deal. Uh, 
I mean, just the, I, I guess my point really is the, those first la layers of software in the stack, we're finally realizing how critical it is to secure them, huh? Well, yeah, but when you look at it, it when you look at the ecosystem today, and, how, and, and for those who don't, I'm sure you've spoken about the safety HTTP before, but for those who... Not um, much, because when they, I saw you cover your face like that, I thought, well, I'm going to back away from the car. I, you know, I, I still have PTSD from our arguments about this. But if you look at if you look at the ecosystem today with multi-factor and two-factor um, uh, other authenticators and web apps mm. that do authentication for you, it 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 sort of is the natural evolution of of what we did, and we did it at the, at the network level for the internal enterprise to isolate and quarantine and, and keep clients from getting too much access uh, before they had been authenticated and. You know, we've we've moved that more towards the authentication layer uh, with companies like Ordrock and others that can do authentication using mobile devices. But the concepts are are uh, the reasoning behind these things is largely the same. It's securing your infrastructure, can securing your private uh, intellectual property and and your data from from just random uh, either poisoning or exfiltration or just plain old theft. Yeah, so well, it's, uh, it's important to note that uh, when we were talking about this, it was before Cisco had uh, NAC, right? Correct. Uh, and, and I think it's just, um, it is interesting how security has evolved and now, I mean, let's face it, when Checkpoint acquired us, it was a pretty cool vision of tying into that layer and your host mm -hmm. name to the policy, right? I mean, yeah. brilliant, certainly least privilege, right? I mean, uh, wonderful. Nobody cared, <laughs> right? Uh, but it was, it, I thought, it, I, I like to bring it up for nothing more than to speak to uh, the fact that sometimes you you can have exactly what the market should be using, but it takes a while for the market to realize it. Well, and you you know this, and I've heard you you speak on this topic before. But security is a uh, multi layered onion, right? And as you peel yeah. back each of the individual layers, and you, there is no silver bullet one one solution fits every need. Sure. Um, yeah. There are a number of organizations that try to cover all the bases, but it's not in a single product. Yeah. Uh, and as we've seen the proliferation of, of cloud usage and the adoption of, of cloud-based infrastructure and cloud-based networking, it's uh, the exposure and, and the risk, uh, the surface area is is growing yeah. exponentially, especially as, as people, you know, maybe they don't have as much networking experience or security experience they're full stack developers or they just right. need to do a proof of concept and they throw something out there and they don't know what the risks are that they're assuming okay. and so i could just use chat gpt for that right sure absolutely um <laughs> but, you know, infrastructure is code yeah that's right uh, I had yeah. to throw that out because everything now is solved with AI, right? I mean, everything, uh, products now have evolved and their new names are whatever it was named before, AI, right? I mean. Yeah, and and, and that, is, that is a buzzword. There are lots of people looking at many things. I have 
conversations earlier today about you know what can you do with DNS and AI, what can you do with NetFlow or SFlow and, and AI. There's lots of things that you could potentially do, but at the same time, many of these core internet protocols, TCP IP and DNS and, and SendMail and, and even you know, hmm. to some degree HTTP is like, these are very solid protocols and there isn't a whole lot of wiggle room. From a security standpoint, you can analyze things, but can you predict things? Hmm, probably not. Can you identify abuse? With AI, maybe, but is that any more effective than actual data analysis that we we all have come to know and love? And these are these are questions that we will have to answer over time. Yeah. Uh, it's an exciting time to to start looking at it. Um, but from a uh, from my perspective in the DNS world, it's like you know DNS is DNS. It's a fairly solid protocol. It's not rocket science, and there's not a whole lot of room for creativity. So, mm -hmm. um, but getting it secure and understanding the security and the risks is, is critical to, mm. to enterprises today. Well, I, what I'm reminded of Steve is, you know, the book on bind is what, like six, 800 pages. It is I now, mean, isn't it? It's, it's <laughs> awfully large. It's, it's, it's enormous, which to me speaks to you know, we often hear, oh, yeah, DNS, it's the phone book, which seems like a severe oversimplification if I need 800 pages to explain it. No? <laughs> um, yes and no. And and DNS in its original form was, was yes, it was a phone book. It was mapping a host name to an address. Um, over time, it has, and especially with the introduction of uh, the security protocols, DNSSEC and, and others, it has become um, far more. Uh, it is, you know, you do domain validations, domain ownership validations uh, with DNS records, whether it's a TXT record or a C name mm -hmm. or something else. You can do auto certs. You can do, you can, you know, build your, you can put in your, uh, CAA records and manage your certificates and, and control who gets to get your certificates. You can do anti-phishing things and, and you know, your DIN and your other record types that prevent or, or at least inform uh, other clients of, of security postures. Mm. And so it has become uh, somewhat more robust and, and it is a still a, an evolving platform for protocol especially in the realm of security. And I think that for the DNS at large is um, implementation and adoption of protocols like DNSSEC um, mm. as, as things like DNS over HTTP and DNS over TLS become available, people stop thinking about DNSSEC because they believe themselves to be secure. It's encrypted from my transactions are encrypted from beginning to end, but they're, ignoring the other side of it from the provisioning side is my configuration secure uh from poisoning in transit um and all of the all of the rest of the information that goes along with that and being able to validate who the ownership is of a particular response or domain is critical in terms of uh, if i publish a a cert or um 
some other SSL or SSH key in the in the DNS, how do I know that's not been compromised or how it's not going to be compromised? So, so DNS has evolved to be a data, so, but at its core, you, and I will I will repeat uh, something that I learned very early on in DNS, it's just a database. It's just a database. You can do many, 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 many things with it, but it's still just a database. But so if I get you right, you're talking about implementing DNSSEC is going to give you a different level it, of security controls and checks that you're you're going to miss if you think you're solving it another way. Uh, implementing remember DNSSEC. Remember Gilligan here, remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> implementing, so think of it this way. So implementing DNSSEC is one of the things that you would certainly want to do if you wanted to put more private and secure information into your zone configuration. So for example, there's the SSH fingerprint key, which is, there's a record for this, but in order for it to be effective, it needs to be an assigned zone because if it's not an assigned zone, then anyone who can sniff that traffic in transit can change that record. Mm -hmm. um, so you need to be able to validate that the entire path that your query has taken is, is being Everyone along the way has said, yes, I know that this came from this place. It's not enough just to say, you know, I asked for it over HTTP and I got an answer right. over HTTP. Because of the complexity of the DNS ecosystem, mm -hmm. the layers of, yeah. of primaries and secondaries and tertiaries and TLDs and, and SLDs and all of the rest of that, um, you have no you as a domain owner have no idea hmm. how many different caches are out there containing your particular record. And so you need to be able to have confidence that every cache in the world that has your records in it uh, has your copy of the record. The right ones. Else's. Right. Yeah, I would think that's pretty important. And it seems like that's the area, you know, Patrick and I were just talking about this earlier about the area that AI seems to be most threatening on the malicious side is the scale, mm -hmm. right? It, it's, it's, and how you can have AI try every sample, every variation con your mind could even conceive where yeah. if it was just humans, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to do that kind. We wouldn't be able to, uh, uh, attempt it with that kind of rigor. You know what I mean? Certainly. Certainly. Uh, DNS enumeration uh, attacks are more commonplace. Where, and there's there's plenty of code out there to in the open source community. Some of them are actually packages available on Kali Linux where a seed list is provided and the system hmm. will network or whomever you can be, will just go out there and you know, away with permutations of those names. Hmm. Uh, and, and trying to determine the surface area and find those, those vulnerabilities. There are things that uh, a good DNS administrator or a, a good DNS vendor can, can do to control those things, but at a large scale, uh, millions and millions of domains and, and literally billions of queries per day, uh, it's, it, it is a, it's an uphill battle. Daunting, I would imagine. Certainly. Hmm. Right back to identity, how we started our, you know, we spoke about in a new segment, which may or may not kind of come with uh, uh, Steve's uh, appearance here. We talk so much about identity, right? So much about 
not just human identity, but now when we think about sort of the public cloud, because everything is at arm's length, everything is addressable, right? Mm -hmm. I get a resource name for every route of my network, never mind every other control, every, um, uh, you know, hole that I open for whatever purpose. But, you know, when I create a, a, a default VPC, let's say on Amazon, I probably have just out of the box, two to 300 identities there to manage. And most of them manage themselves by default relatively well, but all it takes is uh, an administrator with too much privilege to go in there and change uh, a handful of things that, you know, now I don't have, I have no idea what they actually did. I'm not necessarily looking at all of that, to your point, times the enterprise usage, right? That that I've got every business unit. You know, I think you said it well earlier, Steve, every you know business unit doing something different, each with a different level of sort of cloud maturity. It kind of becomes, and, and it's all based in identity, it kind of becomes an identity nightmare. How do we, you know, how do we first understand what identities are there? Second, how many have too much permission? And that's kind of a careful calculation of what you've used versus what you have maybe like these are the kinds of questions that the current at least from when i think and grant and i speak a lot about this the the current kind of tool set or approach really don't answer well or at all um i think you're absolutely right and i think for for me as being in the software uh, industry where we do heavily use clouds uh, hmm. and cloud infrastructure uh, the the Part that is uh, almost more daunting is as people develop and as automation grows, things like Terraform and cloud formation mm -hmm. and things that developers just use, you know, they, they found something on Stack Overflow or they found some, some GitHub project that does a Terraform plan for them. They use it without really thinking about it so much infrastructure and networking is being provisioned in public clouds today without really understanding what it is exposing the the surface area or yeah. or even the the permissions models that are tightened down to your point i mean understanding as you have you know teams of developers going off and doing this throughout the course of their sprints uh, setting stuff up and tearing stuff down um, Kubernetes stacks or, or any other things that, that they build in the course of doing their day-to-day -day jobs, you lose sight of things and you, and things become vulnerable and they become more vulnerable as, uh, the sprawl continues. Maybe developer doesn't clean up after themselves or some product doesn't, some product initiative doesn't uh, pan out and they don't, uh, take care of yeah. it completely. Um, so I embeds a credential feels, in a file somewhere, right? Absolutely. Embeds a credential, yeah. you know, not that anyone ever does this anymore, but someone might leave, you know, a password in code file in the comp file that yeah, gets checked that. in the GitHub. Okay. Um, you know, these things happen. And, um, as enterprises and, and organizations adopt public cloud infrastructure, these are great tools. Public cloud is a, is a great thing in terms of, uh, I don't, I can, as a developer, quickly spin up and spin down instances and I can do proofs of concept and I can build full products That's right. and get the networking bits that I need. But I also open myself up, right? I, yeah. I, yeah. I put, I can do parts, it the wrong way really quickly. You, you can do it yeah. the wrong way very, very easily. And so right. um, there, there are companies, uh, Stack Identity and, and others that uh, have started to address this problem. Um, yeah. 
to to look at what is your exposure, what is uh, looking across a cloud account or a set of cloud accounts. Where do you share data? Where do you um, where do you have things that are too open and, and or not open enough? And, and these things uh, become critical uh, from from a cert cert ops perspective, but also I think it's important uh, for developers and engineers who are doing more and more with DevOps uh, to understand sort of the risks that they're putting their organization and their network uh, through their, their operational practices of, of automation. So I read something in a report, uh, I think, uh, that said that less than 5% of a cloud native enterprise environment, less than 5% of the identities are human. That would not surprise me. No, me either. So I, you know, in my mind, I extrapolate from that, the, uh, the guy, Patrick, you and I were talking about, right? He's been doing this on-premise stuff for a long time. He wants to do this new cloud thing, you know, and it looks and feels the same. So you go through the same motion, not realizing when you are typing in that username and password and configuring those initial setups that a lot of stuff's going on that if you don't go back and make sure you properly clean up, it it just kind of is out there, right? So, so Grant, I, I, I know you love analogies and I know you love your metaphors. And so I'm going to take you back to the good old days. And you'll remember the stories of customers that we had, you and I had when, when we were doing our business together. And it, they would find servers that had been put behind a wall and the wall <laughs> had been closed up and the server was still running. Still. Or, uh, customer or people that or had they have servers they'd be afraid to turn off where do they go i'm not sure <laughs> what is it i don't know but i don't want to or, turn it off <laughs> or or they would put unpatched servers uh directly onto the internet they would just plug it straight into the router uh, these things happen it's the problems have not fundamentally changed in the last 20 years they've just gotten exponentially bigger because everyone now has the same capability to build a server, That's put it, it in a closet, yeah. and mm. put a wall up in front of it. Mm. And yep. no one's going to know. So when we talk That's about things like... That's interesting. That's interesting. Because unlike back then, that, I mean, realistically, it was a closet or somewhere, right? Um, mm -hmm. Now, anything in the cloud is in that closet yeah, that's right that you it's, don't even it's know not big money and there's no six month procurement cycle you could have a bad idea and you could be executing on that bad idea five seconds later yeah that's right I, well the analogy i had earlier steve is you know comparing you know the old days on prem that's a four cylinder you know 140 horsepower engine the cloud you kill yourself that much faster it's like an electric vehicle that goes zero to 60 in two seconds right okay. you say hey this is the same that pedals the gas and you stomp on it thinking it's going to be the four cylinder and then the tree uh, meets you rapidly uh, at the That's front right. of your vehicle <laughs> it, it, it is and, and i think you know it's 
from a from a classic perspective of 20, 25 years ago, you know, someone had to go buy that server. Someone had to asset tag that server. Someone had to plug it in. Mm-hmm. Maybe they left the company and it got walled up. In today's environment. Had to environment, get configured, had to get hardened, had to get all those things. But there's there's still some form of paper trail, right? The the asset is being de- depreciated. Somebody knows it exists. Maybe someone yeah. knows it exists. In today's world, I can stand up a you know a, mm. a micro instance that costs me pennies a month, if if that. No one's gonna know. No one yeah. unless like completely under the radar. That's right. And I can exfil data. The disgruntled employee can exfil data all day long. No one's going to know unless someone's actively looking. And this is this is where your cloud exposure and your cloud data exposure risks. Um, become critical to, to keep an eye on. Um, there is a, a concept within DNS called DNS exfiltration, right? Where you can um, send specially crafted packets and send uh, DNS queries and exfiltrate all your data. Yes, it still happens, but that's old school. I don't need to. I can just set up a, a micro instance in the cloud somewhere and just the data through it that I want. And no one's going to know. So these things, these data exposure risks are mm-hmm. very real, um, and people are customers and and enterprises are starting to think about it, um, but they're realizing just how big of a problem, a big of a surface area that it is that they have to they have to look at, and they can't do it themselves. Well, it, you said something earlier, and I want to make sure I have this right, but it sounds like. You know, it's expanding, right? Like our universe, it's 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 expanding, and that's because just one simple move could end up creating all these additional uh, uh, identities and uh, uh, provisions or capabilities out in the cloud, all just because you decided to try something out, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I, that's to me, that's where it seems like it's exponential that people don't really understand the consequences of their actions, Mm. you know, and, and unlike having a card key to go into the room and now I'm there, I don't need uh, permissions to do anything. It's all here. I can't get to anything without a permission. Right. It it is a, a, it, it seems like, it seems like it emphasizes how, I mean, here's the first thing I think about. You see all this, this move, you know, if we start to talk more current day on uh, CSPM, first it was cloud security and compliance, Dome 9, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and over the course of about five years, we went from that to, oh, hey, we do have IAM. Oh, hey, we do have API. Oh, hey, we do have WAP. Oh, hey, we do have... Right, Sim uh, uh, or Kim or however you want to call it, uh, uh, and uh, shift left and pipeline. So all of a sudden, there's all these little facets. So now right. Gartner's latest term is CNAP. But here's my question: Even when I look at what's being offered and the issues we're talking about here, it it seems like there's still, I don't know of any platforms that have adopted these kinds of capabilities. It still seems like you have to kind of make a decision on buying a platform and still picking products that are meeting more specialized needs. I mean, or, 
or do you go out yeah. and you buy individual products for each one of these components? I mean, I think that's that's problematic too, right? That they don't talk to each too. other, and you've yeah, got all no the matter kind of perspectives much, on importance it's, and it's, severity, yeah, and that's yeah, hard. I, I mean, and and in my view, and again, I'm the Gilligan in the room here. You guys are uh, the professors, but when I look at the speed, right? The, the speed of change, the speed of evolution, the advancements, the, the, the things that are happening. Holy shit, man. In five years, there's some crazy amount of change compared to the previous 20 in, 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 in cloud, in, you know, functions. It, it's, it seems like it's accelerating, making it all the more difficult for me as a user to know exactly what what do i do because mm -hmm. oh all the while aws and uh, 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 azure and everybody's saying we have it we have it i mean how do you deal with all your of business those users different want issues it, and they're sort of adopting it but not the right way right yeah. they're driving you there faster than you want to be there that's part I of mean, the problem you're too. living that steve how do you deal Very with much. that um it's 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 a continuous challenge uh you can is from the security standpoint, you're absolutely right. There are those that claim to have full service solutions, you know, yeah. uh, beginning to end. Um, you pay a premium for those, and maybe they cover 90% of what you need, but you still have those gaps. You still have the things that require yeah. uh, a lot of eyeballs or a lot of monitors to, to figure out. Um, you can't necessarily from a from a fiduciary standpoint you can't go and choose the best independent vendor for each of your your and your uh, challenges so you do have to lean on on someone that provides you know as much coverage as you can because otherwise you're just spending a lot of money for for ex effectively fire insurance right um here's a question i have okay as we see this stratification, as we see all these uh, um, uh, use cases that are yep. popping up that I need to worry about securing because use case translates to vector of exploit potentially, right? Mm -hmm. Is there, is it possible to really kind of try to shake it all through a screen and and focus on the big rocks and if so what would those big rocks be would they be uh uh posture knowing you have x amount of buckets that are unencrypted and you see what i'm saying it's like as as you get more and more of these dials people are going to have to be selective on which dial do i implement is there a way to prioritize these and Certainly. who's allowed and, to do it? And who's <laughs> and who's allowed to do it exactly? And so yeah, I think I think for for me and for when I when I look at this, the the first thing I want to look at is what data am I storing and where am I storing it? So what is my exposure on the data itself, um, and who has access to that data? And then the second thing that I want to look at is uh, what is my network profile look like? How many open ACLs or things. Am I running in a, a lockdown VPC or do I have open access? Those 
the access is there controls. a route in is there a is there a, is there a path in somewhere certainly and and the route in is important to be sure because you know having a, a, a just a random route in from the outside world but what people commonly myself included commonly overlook is is there a path out and, mm. and if there's a path out, right. someone who has been socially engineered to give up their credentials through via phishing email or whatever else if there's a path out right? mm. I, yeah. use my zero trust to get in great now i have a path out I'm a disgruntled employee or if i've been right. spearfished or something else and the path um, out is is to carry my Payload it, to exploit, to carry, right? Is to exploit my payload, and not and so, my payload, but but uh, harvest, right? To to so, take whatever I want to take. Right. So again, I, when I look at it, it's first and foremost is is my data protected from both internal users and external users. Uh, this is where things like zero trust and and other things come into play. Um, everything is locked. It's, you know, the stuff that is sensitive is is only. You can't get there from here. You may have mm -hmm. an API into it. You may have the ability to query it, but you can't actually look at it. And once I've given you the ability to query it, or I've built a, uh, a machine learning algorithm or Kubernetes stack or some other service uh, that uses that data, then I have to look at that infrastructure and that network. And how is that protected? Not just from uh, the individual users or the, the mm -hmm. credentials, but from the network paths in and out. Um, and those things, in, to Patrick's earlier point, it's like I stand up a VPC and all of a sudden I've got open holes everywhere, right? Unless I completely nailed it down. Uh, just doing the, the basic, you know, create VPC, it's like, mm, you probably, it's not probably something you want to do. Uh, and that's, um, and that's, it's not, you would probably agree it's, probably more common than we would uh, like to know that people just kind of next, next, okay? I would like to think that people think about it a little bit more, but, you know, maybe they yeah. don't. Maybe they're yeah. just trying something out. Maybe they're learning. Maybe they're not learning in a, in a sandboxed or an isolated environment. Yeah. Um, maybe they're practicing, you know, uh, trying to understand what is the impact. These things happen, but... Um, Furthermore, if once they're done with their learning or their experimentation, do they clean up after themselves? And I yeah. think, you know, there's a there's a lot that can be gained just by going through your existing cloud configurations and just blowing away everything that is hasn't been touched in six months. And just I mean, I know that's yeah. not realistic and, and you know, you have the server that's been walled up that nobody knows what it does, but you can't turn it off because nobody knows what it does. Right? <laughs> so that that stuff happens and it's not realistic, but there's there comes a point at which uh, you can't afford the exposure risk anymore. And yeah, it seems like you, it seems like you have to build a new motion and a new workflow and a new process that does clean up because, you know, one of the questions I was going to ask you is, you know, is long-standing privileges, is that really just in and of itself, a, does that end up being a big, a big problem? I guess it's all the associated consequences of having them, but uh, are, are, is that something that uh, you see? It is something that we see, and, and I'm as guilty of it as an expression, I'm sure. 
um, longstanding uh, credentials and, and, you know, I know what I'm doing, trust me. Um, yeah, those things happen and they are, uh, they are real and they do stick around and they have very long legs. And it is, it is very possible to, to expose something thinking that it's a long lived credential that, you know, this is always only going to do this one thing mm-hmm. somewhere mm-hmm. along the line. Someone not connected to you has decided to use that long-lived credential for something that was malicious. Yes, it happens. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So eyeballs on, and, and this is where these cloud services like identity come, come, come in very handy because they can watch when you can't. Right. They can when you can't. Yeah. Some tuning that goes along with it, but it is, these are valuable tools. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, it feels like it's the natural progression of, you know, the first sort of cloud security tool was a CSPM. It told us a little bit of identity, a little bit about data. You know, how many buckets I have, are they encrypted or not? I didn't look inside the buckets. It told me identities, didn't really look inside them, didn't tell me when they were used, when they weren't, right? So so now we have this kind of um, slightly more in-depth product. We have a, a DSPM that looks at data security. We have kind of an identity-focused product, or at least the emergence of what seems to be that, right? Is that it? Will there be more sort of areas of focus? We have data, we have identity. To me, it feels like, and then we have like just the overall cloud security posture. Mm-hmm. I think there will certainly come a point, and I know in the area where I work in, in the networking and the network infrastructure side, we do a lot to secure networks and, and keep things running smoothly, keeping the internet running smoothly. And I know, you know, the networking teams and the security teams at the various cloud providers are always, always on the lookout for um, the next security nightmare, the next DDoS, the next ransomware sure. or whatever else. Yep. But I do think that uh, the one thing that users of cloud-based services don't consider is yeah. Mm. It's a VPC yeah. or, or a direct connect or anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Just not very even, true. Just, they're just not thinking about it. Well, you know, you have, you have people who are not network engineers and people who are not security engineers, people who are not tech savvy engineer, people like Grant who can literally just spin up an AWS account and start creating instances. Sure. Yeah. And and now it's even worse. And I'm not joking, but if I don't know what I'm doing, I can go to chat GPT and I can say, hey, will you help me? And I can How do get I do the this? code. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's 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 even it's not just the Gilligans like Grant, you know. I mean, it's it's even worse because anybody who wants to and knows how to write a query uh, can a start card. to yeah, yeah. it's right. it's it's pretty it's pretty and remarkable it and it doesn't have to be their credit card yes oh, so so true so true <laughs> these are these are very uh, these are very real problems and from a from a technology perspective these are challenges that you know 10 15 years ago we didn't have to worry about right everything was on prem we had network engineers who in in our data centers and in our server rooms that were 
you know, locking things down and making sure that That's we right. were protected. Yeah. Um, as yeah. we've moved into these very hybrid cloud environments um, with automation and made things very, very easy, people tend to forget that there are risks. The, the downside of democratization, risks. it really is, right? Because mm-hmm. democratization is great. You know, everyone can do anything, but that means all the dumb people can also do it. Right, who intentionally, who intentionally don't go out and get the education and and make the assumption that it's just like the data center, right? Like, there's enough education now to tell you it is not like that. <laughs> it isn't. So under the covers, right? So then, then Grant, not to again uh, take you down memory lane, but uh, the notion that the challenge that companies like Stack Identity and AWS and GCP and Azure the challenge that they are really faced with then is protecting people from the Gilligans. Right. Yeah, man. And it was true 25 years ago and it's true today. It's just, just exponentially uh, greater. Well, it, it's, it's funny you say that, you know, you go to create an S3 bucket on Amazon and you have more warning labels than a cigarette package. You do. That is yeah. true. You know, you're, you're about to make something that can absolutely destroy your business. Do you know what you're doing? Yes. Yeah. Are you sure you know what you're doing? Yes. Are you sure you want to make this public? It's that bad, right? Because yeah. yes. to your point, people just next, 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 we're done. And it's such a, it's such a, yes, it's easy, but it's not that easy. It's not supposed yeah. to be that easy. Yeah. Right. Well, remember, Steve, the way back, man, I mean, the whole idea we had was, you remember... People were coming in because people had laptops, didn't have Wi-Fi, but they had laptops. Sure. And they wanted to give a demo and, hey, can I use your network? I want to check my email and they'd puke all over the network. So the whole idea was, you know, to kind of pull back and not just let anybody get on to uh, the network. But I think that was still when we were kind of making this realization that this isn't Woodstock, you know, this is an opera. <laughs> you need to be dressed appropriately. Identities are important. Sitting right? in the right again, seat with right? a ticket stub yeah. that matches the seat you're yes. in. Yes. You know, and I mean, it's layer. so funny because, you know, it's true, Steve. In the early days, we all thought it was going to be like Woodstock, man. Free love. Be anybody you want to be. Do anything. It was it's for the a internet, short period of time. Right? Yeah. But yeah. little and, did we know we were building the backbone for every business on the planet. For sure. Yeah, and so, yes. true. And, so and, true. And to Patrick's point, it was. It, it was exactly that. It was utopia for about 30 seconds. And then... <laughs> Then yep. we showed it to someone and, and it was, okay, all hell broke. Dollar open. signs. So, <laughs> yeah. Dollar yeah. signs. Um, yeah. And, and that is, but again, the, the challenge today is, is not dissimilar than it was 25 years ago. It's just exponentially more complex. Yeah. And the, well, what was the joke back then? It's same joke now. It's not the car. It's the nut holding the wheel. Mm-hmm. And, and it's true. And, and the analogy earlier referenced using cars again, I really do feel like when we get into cloud, it is like going from ice engine to electric, where the consequences uh, can go bad way faster. Well, if, it's so, if and you, it's so true because it's not just that. It's also, you know, you get into a, you get into a Barracuda and there's about three distractions, two pedals, a gear shift, and a steering wheel. Get into a Tesla, 
which is supposed to be easier to drive, and there's a million distractions. There are, you know, <laughs> yeah. 50,000 things on that dash. There's a screen bigger yeah. than the windshield, right? Like, so in yeah. not only in capability, but just in what you can do, in yeah. the amount of options, the amount, yeah. I mean, my mom can't get in a Tesla and drive it. It's supposed to be an easier experience. She cannot do that, right? Mm. There's just far too many options to, to even contemplate, where do I start? It's a car. I mean, this should be easy to drive. But so, so what I guess I'm trying to equate the complexity to, you know, just the capability. Oh, yeah. And, and, it, and it's too, and from an from a enterprise security and uh, uh, critical infrastructure perspective, it, the surface area is far too great for to expect one team to be able to do it, uh, to be able to manage the security, to manage the access controls so and the identities. Um, they need they need they need something that will uh, keep an eye on it for them uh, during the course of normal operations. And I think um, could someone with enough resources go off and build such a thing? Sure, but it's going to take you a very long time. And in the time that it takes you to build that, the needle's going to have moved and you're going to have to really catch up. That's all right. Over. It's not a build once. Yeah. It's yeah, not a well, build once. It's the speed. I mean, it's the speed of cloud, right? It's just exactly. things. That's what I was talking about earlier. It just seems like, holy moly, in the last five years, how many new things, capabilities that, I mean, and it's only, and it's only seemingly accelerating. So... It's um, Steve, I can tell you this, my friend, 25 years ago when I met you and uh, would not want to pass that uh, false uh, brick wall until I earned it, I never in a gajillion years imagined that A, I would pronounce DHCP properly and know what it means, uh, 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 or B, uh, still be here, still in it, uh, still getting a chance to to see you, talk with you, work with you. Um, it's been it's been pretty awesome. It's been a long road, and I'm myself and surprised that uh, yeah, I still have your phone number in my uh, contact list. So that's just because your your wife you've got <laughs> me listed. You've got me listed as. <laughs> Uh, Mike Grant, exactly. uh, <laughs> but that's okay. Wish her my best. Uh, will do. Please. And Steve, thank you so much, man, you, for Steve. coming on and, and talking with us. I, I really appreciate it. I think I uh, it. Uh, it was fun and uh, yeah, man, I'm looking yeah. forward to do it again. I wish you guys all the best in your oh, uh, DNS security efforts and building out that portfolio and, uh, well, thank it's great you. seeing you. Yeah, it's, it's great, great seeing you. Great man. fun. Yeah. Good to see you. Patrick, Thanks good so to much, see you Steve. Again. Yeah, you thank, thank you, you so very much, much gentlemen. We'll talk okay, later. We'll talk soon. Hey, stay on until you're fully uploaded, which you're only one percent away from. Okay, buddy. Time fully upload. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can, you quiet. can, you can leave. Uh, uh, I think you just gotta stay connected to the system, so it'll. Yeah, I'll uh, do the okay. same. Fully upload you. So. Thanks again, Thanks. Steve. Thank really appreciate yeah, it, man. No See problem. you later. See you, Bye. Patrick. You bet. Thanks, Bye -bye. ladies and gentlemen. Another awesome episode of Talking Cloud Podcast. Steve DeYoung, what a great guy. Long, long history in this business and a dear friend. Really made a huge difference on uh, my ability to actually 
survive and then subsequently uh, sell the company. Thrive. So that was a lot of That's fun. Right. Yeah, that awesome. was a lot of fun. Thank you, Patrick. Thanks, everybody. You bet. It's always Thank great. You. See you again on the next one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.